So good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Albert. I'm the lead pastor of the Tapestry Church Network and delighted today to have uh, two guest speakers with us this morning. Uh, Janina and Val are making their way up. So just to let you know, Janina, who's in the black and the white, she's um, actually a pastor here at the Tapestry. So uh, unbeknownst to you that this has happened. So let me explain what I mean by that. So in church terms, there's something fancy called ecclesiastical um, credentials. So what that basically means is that a church needs to hold a pastor's credentials or ordination. And so it's kind of like the way I look at it, it's kind of like a real estate company holding the license of a realtor. You kind of see how that works? So someone needs to hold Janina's credentials. So Janina is ordained in the Christian Reformed Church and was involved in a church plant um, in the Yaletown downtown area, which has since dissolved. And so uh, Janina came to us, and I've known Janina for a little while, and she's wondering if the tapestry would be willing to hold her credentials, and we said, of course we do. Uh, I think one of the blessings and one of the joys is not only to support what Janina is doing with a mosaic community, which she will be talking about in the downtown east side, but for us as a church and for me, I think we have so much to learn uh, from them and what's going on there. So we're delighted to have you, Janina. And... Um, if you have more information, come see her afterwards, but uh, I'm going to, her name again is Janina, and it's Mosaic, because for some reason, after the nine o'clock, like 12 people came up to me and asked, what's her name, and where's that from, and all that kind of stuff. All right, so I'll give the following time to you girls. Great, thank, thank you. you. Let's give him a hand, by the way, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. We are delighted to be here with you also. Um, and in particular, I'm excited to be here with you today because today is the first day of my year. This is my year, the year of the rat. So here we go. Um, <laughs> Val, did you want to Good morning. Hello? Thank you very much for inviting us into your house of love. Brilliant. So this is kind of a neat beginning of the relationship between our two communities. And part of what we wanted to do today was give you a little bit of a sense of who we are as Mosaic. Um, and what we feel called to um, in our community. So we begin every service by asking, why do we call ourselves Mosaic? And this is a way that we ground ourselves in our identity as a community, but it's also a way that we affirm and reaffirm each week our value of the diversity of voices. So the answer is never the same week to week, and that's the way we like it. Um, and so this week, um, Val graciously agreed to join and come with me today, um, and so she is going to give the answer. So, Val, why do we call ourselves Mosaic? And it's only the same if you write it down because you're scared of talking <laughs> in front of people. <laughs> Similarly to the way that an artist collects little pieces of different material to create mosaic pieces of art, we also, as God's creations, are chipped tenderly and gathered together, make a magnificent piece of God's art that his light shines through ourselves to others. Thanks, Val. And what does it mean to you to be part of Mosaic? Well, it means a great deal to be part of, uh, of a community like that. I feel very privileged to be uh, one of the pieces of God's puzzle that continues to bring so much spirit to each other's lives, as well as the community that we're surrounded in. We um, walk a special 
walk with Jesus in his deeper ways of thinking things. And uh, a highlight of my week is to quite often gather in this special, with this special group of people for unique ways of bringing and sharing their sparks of God's love with each other as in the community in so many different sparkful ways. That's neat. And why did you know, or how did you know, that Mosaic was somewhere that you'd feel welcome? Well, in the beginning, that wasn't very easy. I, uh, I attended for quite a while before I was comfortable with whom at the beginning were strangers. On, on the day I walked in there, I didn't know anyone. And uh, at first, sharing intimate pieces of myself was... Uh, challenging and not so forthright, you know, but uh, years later, as I continue to be blessed and surrounded with wonderful, open-hearted group of people that take time to laugh with you and grow with you and our bigger parts, we do wonderful community projects like a salmon barbecue every year and Silas over there, who's our lovely lead, uh, <laughs> he's great to follow because he actually will take time out of his life to go and clean someone's house. Not mine, but I've witnessed many things that these wonderful people are, are responsible for doing and touching other people's lives in so many different ways. And uh, it's... Uh, it's a special walk, I think, that you uh, you will take time out of your life to do something nice for someone else and uh, pull them maybe inside the fence. Of, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So why has being part of this Mosaic community been important in your life? Mm, anyways. Um, I don't have children, and I'm a partnerless person, and uh, it's it's difficult sometimes to come home to an empty apartment at the end of the day all the time. I mean, God's there, um, which is comforting and, and all surrounding, but at the same time, when the place is kind of vacant, it's um, sometimes a very lonely place to be. And the uh, highlight of my week quite often is is going to Mosaic and, and seeing people there that uh, listening to children giggle and great story time like this. Ali is so talented telling stories. That's just great. And yeah. it's, it's wonderful to walk with people on a journey that, number one, shares the love of our Father with people, but also brings his light very brightly into lonely people's lives. Or people on the other side of the fence. Brilliant. Thank you, Val. Um, we brought a couple pictures with us of our community just to give you kind of a sense of who we are. Um, we meet in the Strathcona Church building in the downtown east side of Vancouver on Princess and Pender in the basement of the church because it's an accessible place for everybody. There's no stairs to get into that space. And we meet uh, Sunday afternoons from 2 to 5. We'll be going from here to there after this. Um, and it's a beautiful time um, of gathering, eating peanut butter sandwiches, drinking coffee, singing songs. Um, and like Val said, a highlight of our year together is that uh, once a year for National Indigenous Peoples Day, we host a community powwow on the street. Um, and 
there's other organizations that we partner with, and it's a really incredible, incredible time of dancing and celebrating um, and being together. So it's just a little taste of who we are. Um, that's great. Thank you very much. So whatever your morning was like, whatever your week was like, I invite you to settle into this time and this space. Hear the welcome. Feel the welcome. You've extended the welcome to us, and I'd like to extend it back to you. You are welcome here. Maybe put your feet flat on the floor, wiggle your toes, pull your shoulder blades back together, straighten up your spine. I'm not being facetious. Mosaic is pretty interactive, so I invite you to um, follow along. And I invite you to close your eyes and to take three deep breaths with me. Breathe in slowly, maybe hold it for a minute, and breathe out, in and out, in and out. You are welcome here. And with your eyes still closed, I invite you to think about a time when you felt like you belonged, when you were just unconditionally accepted, was that like? What did it look like? What did it feel like? What did it smell like? And how have you made others feel like they belong? What are the practical things that you've done to make other people feel like they belong? And now Think about ways and times when you felt like you didn't belong, when you felt excluded or rejected. What was that like? What did it feel like? And how have you participated in making others feel like they didn't belong? In, out. I invite you to open your eyes with me, and we're going to read the scripture passage for today. But as we do, and as we go through this morning together, I invite you to hold those thoughts, um, those feelings, and those memories in your mind. So today we're going to be reading from Hebrews 13. If you'd like to open in your Bibles, it's on page 1878, or on your devices, Hebrews is close to the back of the New Testament. All right, so we're jumping right into the last chapter of Hebrews. There's only 13 chapters, so here we go. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, 
and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods, which are of no value to those who eat them. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Obey your leaders and to submit to their authority. They must keep watch over you as ones who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. And may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This morning we are invited to join Jesus outside the camp. And we'll be focusing on those middle verses starting at verse 11. And thinking about, what does that mean? Where is this outside the camp? And when we find ourselves there, how do we love one another from that place? I'm just going to read those verses again so they're fresh in our minds. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the camp, outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace that he bore. This morning I'd like to propose that outside of the camp, outside of the city, is a social construction of an in-group and an out-group. Here, the author of Hebrews is comparing Jesus' crucifixion to the sacrifices that the Israelites would do throughout the Old Testament. And so to do that, he's referring all the way back to when they were first given these rules in the book of Leviticus. So let's start there. Jesus is instructing, Jesus, the book of, well, okay. <laughs> God is instructing the Israelites through Leviticus on what to do with the sacrifices. So the Old Testament sacrifices were taken into the tabernacle and they were slaughtered there. Their blood was spilt in the most holy place. But then what was left, the bodies, the bones, was taken outside of the camp. Now, it's important to remember that the Israelites are wandering at this point. They are in the middle of a wilderness. And in the middle of the wilderness, where is the camp? The camp is wherever you set it up. This isn't 
This isn't the car camping kind of camping. This is the I'm going into the backcountry without a tent kind of camping. This is the wilderness. So they set up first. They're like, all right, let's stop here. They set up their most holy place. They set up their tabernacle. And then around that, they're going to set up where they're going to sleep, their tents, their homes. And then by virtue of that, they now have a construction of a camp. They have their outline and their boundary, their border of the inn of their camp and what is outside. And because they've now created this definition of space within the wilderness, the priests know, okay, so I need to go beyond the housing tents, beyond those places. That's where I'm going to dispose of the rest of what's left of the sacrifice. So today, I think we can equally think of this outside of the camp, outside of the city, as a socially constructed place. It's those places and those spaces for those who don't fit with the in-group, those who aren't productive, those who make people, other people feel uncomfortable, those who challenge the social norms. Have you ever noticed how often when we're introducing each other, we say, oh, how are you? And the common response is, oh, I'm super busy. Oh, yeah, me too, I'm super busy. As if there's this piece in our society, in our culture, that says that we're only worthy if we are producing, if we are productive members of society. And what if we can't? What then? We'll be outside the city. Because the society disposes of people who don't fit that norm. Those people who can't get a job, the people who are stigmatized, discriminated against, on income assistance, on disability. Outside of the city is that disposal site for those who don't belong. And they are, in some ways, crucified. They, maybe they're being crucified by society for the childhood trauma that they endured crucified for using drugs to self-medicate through that trauma. And this creates such an us and them. Toni Morrison wrote a book called The Origin of Others, which I commend to you. And in it, she talks about the benefits of the us in constructing the other. It's very beneficial. If you're constructing an other, then it means that the us can have this sense of superiority only because we're not them, right? And so that division, that very arbitrary division, creates this space where you've built a wall to feel better about yourself because you don't have to think about the ways that you might actually be more like them than you'd like to think. And that space, that division, that arbitrary wall puts humans on one side and on the other side, and it dehumanizes them. That space for the slaves and the colonized and the you and the me. And where is Jesus in this socially constructed space? Jesus is discarded outside of the city like an animal sacrifice like the bones and the bodies that were no longer needed for the sacrifice. That's where Jesus is. That's how Jesus is being described by this author of Hebrews. 
But while the sacrificial animals, their blood was spilt in the holy place, Jesus' blood is spilt outside of the holy place, making that outside the holy place. I'll say that again. The animal's blood was spilt in the holy place, and their bodies were carried outside of the camp. But Jesus' blood is spilt outside of the camp, making the outside of the camp the holy place. But this place is not an honorable place to be disposed. This is where the animal parts went. This is the place for the non-human, the dehumanized, because Jesus' broken body is literally being compared to animal remains. Jesus is outside of the city. We hear a lot in the Gospels of that story when the curtain was torn in two at the point of his death. This is the point, this is the context for where Jesus is when that is happening, that rendering open of access to God, that Jesus' death outside of the city breaks open our access to to God. That in that way, from that place, God has extended welcome to us. There is no more need for a priest. We have that direct access, that immediate welcome from the place of the dehumanized, from the place of the disposal. We are given the most humanized thing of welcome into God. So I'd like you to think back to your memories or your feelings or thoughts of when you belong or didn't belong. And I'd like you to, to think and push a little bit into have, if you've ever felt like someone's project. And how did that make you feel? Or maybe you've made someone else into your project. If you're anything like me, it doesn't make me feel very good. It doesn't make me feel like someone actually wants to get to know me. I'm more like a checkbox for them. There's nothing actually relational happening there. And if we think a little bit deeper about what's happening when we make people projects, a project is a thing. I am a bit of a science nerd, and so I loved doing science fair projects. And you can create a volcano that explodes, but it's a thing. It's a thing that you are creating. When we make someone into a project, we are making them into an object. We are saying, I, yeah, I'm going to save you. I'm going to help you. But I'm going to stay in my place inside. I'm going to stay where I belong. And I'm going to reach over and extend that help to you who's over there on the outside. Talk about maybe us having a little bit of a savior complex, like thinking that we are the ones who can save someone else. But where is that one who saves? Where is he? If this is our line, if this is our in-group, and this is the line that we've constructed, Jesus is over here. Jesus is hanging out outside of our camp. He's hanging outside of those places. 
in the place of the non-human, in the place of the dehumanized. And when we make people into projects, I want to propose that we are not with Jesus. Because Jesus is already there. To be with Jesus is to join him outside of that city, to bear the disgrace that he bore. Outside of the city, in this place of the other, this is the place that we're called to hang out, to wiggle into, to live, to breathe, to listen and to love, to give and to receive love. To be outside the city with Jesus who was crucified. This is a place of witnessing the crucifixion. We have a neighborhood theology conference in the fall that we hold in the downtown east side. And uh, the Reverend Dr. Carmen Lansdale came to talk to us this, this last fall. And she's a pastor, an indigenous pastor that works down the street from Mosaic. And she said, in this neighborhood, in the downtown east side, We're not called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are called to witness the crucifixion. We're called to witness the crucifixion, to be outside the city, to show up outside the city, to stand with those whom society has crucified and is crucifying, who society has deemed unworthy of us even looking in the eye, to listen to each other and to love one another, brothers and sisters. But what does it actually mean to witness? Some of you might have gone to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission when it was in Vancouver in the fall of 2013. I went one day and I listened to these very brave individuals talk about some of the most difficult days and years of their life surviving residential school. And at one point, Chief Justice Murray Sinclair, turned to the audience, turned to me, and he said, you are all witnesses here today. And you now bear that responsibility of being a witness, to carry these stories in your hearts and in your minds, to stand up against racism when you hear it, to stand in solidarity with indigenous peoples, to stand outside the city with these indigenous people and listen to their accounts of crucifixion at the hands of the church and the state. This morning, what I've tried to do is give you a glimpse into how we as Mosaic are attempting to join Jesus outside the city and belong with the crucified community and to witness the ongoing crucifixion society inflicts on those that it disposes of. Residential schools is one of the examples from the past. One of the examples of the ongoing crucifixion was highlighted in the National Report on the Inquiry of Murdered and Missing Indigenous Women and Girls that came out last June. We are seeking not to be the hands and feet of Christ, Not to save people, but to witness. To stand in solidarity with, to listen to and to love one another. And not only to give, but to also receive as mutual belonging members of this crucified community. 
And it is an ongoing spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline because it involves a disentangling, a disentangling of ourselves from this system that crucifies people while also acknowledging the ways that our actions and our lives support and actually amplify that very same system. It's an ongoing spiritual discipline to extend belonging and to receive belonging and to resist that savior complex, to resist making people into projects. I invite you this morning to join Mosaic in this practice, in this practice of spiritual discipline, of crucifixion witnessing, of going to be with Jesus outside the camp. And by that, I don't actually mean that you should all come to the downtown east side, actually, not at all. But to start by thinking through some of these questions. Where have the lines been drawn in your community? Where is this outside of the camp enrichment? Sometimes if we think about where we're relationships are lacking in our lives, that can be a helpful place to start. Are there streets or places where you lock the doors of your car when you drive by? Are there people you'd rather not be associated with? Are there parts of the city that you avoid? Are there people that you avoid? Who is the butt of the snide remark? And are we even aware that we're making those snide remarks? But the good news this morning is that Jesus is outside the city. Jesus is hanging out with those of us and the the rest of society can't be bothered to look at. And he's inviting us to join him there. Not to save anyone. He's got that pretty much under control. But to be a witness, to stand with, to receive belonging from this incredible crucified community that is made holy through the blood of our crucified Christ. So let us go to him outside the camp. Will you join me in prayer? Great shepherd of the sheep, thank you for equipping us with everything good for doing your will. And may you continue to work in us what is pleasing to you. Amen.